Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. And the pitch on the way. Anthony drives one. Deep right field. It's got a chance. Gone. Home run Rizzo. That's what we've been waiting for here at the Friendly Confines for a year and a half. Rizzo just wins that battle. The ball game is tied 5-5. A line drive home run just under the auxiliary video board in right. It left the park in a hurry. When you hear the, feel the buzz and the down moments of the crowd just talking uh, and just a lot, ton of people just around, it's just a nice, it's a nice feeling uh, for me. You know, kind of doesn't affect my job much more, but you can definitely see the energy in the players and the, and the focus and the, the, um, the emotions uh, rise a little bit. And uh, I think that's, that's such a great thing for our sport. Cubs win today. Uh, Anthony Rizzo with the home run that tied it up, and then they would go on to score a few more, 8-5, to five, as they beat the Cardinals at Wrigley Field, a full Wrigley Field today, mostly full. We are allowed, the city is allowed to be at full capacity if you want to be, if the business wants to do it, and Wrigley Field is. Sox Park on the 25th will be at full capacity too. So we are we're moving to a... An exciting time in the Chicago area as people get vaccinated, more and more of them get vaccinated, which is what is leading to where we are now. So the Cubs win on what feels like a great day in Chicago, 77 degrees right now and like almost no humidity. It's just a, everything is great today. This is a good day. We bring in Jared Willis of the Chicago Sun-Times who covers the Cubs and is watching what's happening now with the team in first place, at least as we sit here uh, at 8 o'clock. Brewers are leading their game 2-1, to though. Jared joining us now. Hello, Jared. Hello, Chris. How are you? I feel fantastic. Uh, (laughs) This is a a mostly good day, and we heard the highlight from Rizzo, who had uh, an eventful day himself, as we we find out about his, he, he admitted to his, vaccine situation he's not doing it and we know the cubs are not at the threshold which kind of puts them at a disadvantage jed hoyer has talked about that then he goes and hits that home run a 14 pitch at bat one of the truly great at bats of the season maybe i i would think it's the best at bat of the year jared would you agree yeah i would agree the best at bat of this of the year so far um and i would say probably one of the best of his his career total um i don't he even said it after the game i don't know that he's had many um that are much better than what that one was that was a pretty epic at bat in the the fifth inning not just a or the sixth inning sorry um not just the length of the at bat you know the 14 pitches 10 foul balls but but also just the the home run that you know wasn't just any home run he tied the game with that one so um on all fronts that's about as big of an at bat as you can hope for and in, in talking about the city opening up, it, it for me, it's really difficult to talk about 
what that game was today against that particular team on this particular day when everything opens up after everything the country, the world has been through over the last year plus. I'm not sure you're going to have many more special moments in that building. It just, it, I know it's weird to say that about a game in the middle of June, but that's kind of what that was today. Yeah, and, and there was just an energy everywhere throughout the park, even you know hours before the game started when you know we were doing our pregame interviews and talking to people. You could kind of feel this, this sense that this was going to be a special day no, no matter how the game turned out. And so then to have the game turn out the way that it did just added to what was already, I mean, it felt like a really monumental day. It's been close to two years since we've had a capacity crowd um, at Wrigley Field. And, you know, just like you said, after everything we've been through, for it to be a Friday afternoon in the summer at Wrigley Field and the Cardinals of all teams are in, are in town, um, it was just, it was idyllic. It was, it was just about perfect. So how did it feel in the ballpark? I mean, you were there, and yeah. I know there have been people who, with a capacity of about 10,000, you know, for most of the season, and, and now here we are. And, and, and 10,000 people can be loud. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great difference than piped-in sound on, a, on the loudspeaker, on the loud system. But um, how much different did 40,000 really feel today? It was a huge difference. Um, I was there for a lot of the games early on when it was about 10,000 people. And back then I found it refreshing to have some fans there and to hear them reacting to plays and things like that. But there's just nothing compared to the noise today. I've forgotten just how loud it gets in there. And it was great. I mean, you know, and to see during the Rizzo at bat, to see fans standing up when it's, you know, he's, it's he two two and he keeps fouling off pitches because people are realizing like hey this is this is a big thing that's happening right here he's really battling and so they get on their feet um, just incredible to see that I you know I keep going back to like I had honestly forgotten how loud it gets in there and it was it was a wonderful thing to hear today yeah Jared Willis with us uh, from the Chicago Sun Times he covers the Cubs and this is a game. They come back and win after falling behind five to one. Um, you know that that's not the start you were looking for, but it it provided the setup for the finish they ultimately had today. As you look at this division race, I said going into the season, and maybe I'll be proven wrong by the end of the year, but I thought the Cubs would be better than a lot of people expected them to be, and part of it is the division. Has your opinion on them changed at all, or, or were we like-minded in that? Well, I think I, I was definitely of the same mind that you were. I, I thought going into the season that they could be competitive, at, at least if for no other reason than the fact that nobody else in the division was all that, all that good. Um, so they'd be able to hang in there with the Cardinals and the Brewers, and whoever wins the division might do it with, 83 or 84 wins. Um, but my mind is, has, has shifted on this team a little bit because I, I feel like we're seeing, um, you know, a lot of like the intangibles with this team that, that haven't been there the last few years. There's something, the vibe around the team is a lot different. And it is harder to pick up on that, you know, through Zoom interviews and things like that. But listening to the way these guys talk and the way they played and winning so many close games this season, there's, 
there's there's something in that clubhouse that I think they've been missing the last few years. And so if, if there's a a way that they can really like carry this out to the end of the season and then maybe do something in the playoffs, it's probably going to be because of um, there's a hunger in that clubhouse that I think they, they haven't had since, you know, 2016. Jared Willis of the Sun-Times joins us here on 670. This is a team that, you know, it, it the very start of the season wasn't, uh, you know, it, it wasn't all that inspiring, and now they're playing the way they are. The bullpen has been playing really well. It's one of the better bullpens in the National League, which is one of the reasons they are where they are. As we get closer to the trade deadline, this, to me, is the most interesting thing about them, is you don't know what they're going to do. Because we know the, the, the situation they were in and what the ownership said about them during the offseason and how they weren't really going to spend. As we get closer to the deadline and this team is in contention, what do they do? That's, oh man, that's a question that I, I feel like I would have had a much easier time answering right around the end of April. Because um, it felt pretty obvious at that, at that point. Uh, but right now, my opinion, I think, is you've you've got guys that are winning and that and that really believe in what they're doing. I mean, these guys they've they've got a little bit of a chip in their on their shoulder. So I think you have to ride this out. Um, I know that there's long term things to consider with you know if you don't trade Chris Bryant in the middle of the season, you're not getting anything back for him and all that kind of stuff. But um, I I don't know how you you sell it to fans hey, we're in first place, but we're going to start trading away our players. Um, that's you're, you're not going to get anybody to, you know, nobody in the Cubs fan base is going to, is going to buy that or, or it's going to be a, a hard pill to, to swallow. So I think you have to ride this out. Maybe you look at making some additions probably to the rotation to um, improve your chances come October, you know, if you get there. But, you know, realistically, like you just – yeah, there's the future of Chris Bryant and Baez and Rizzo and some of these other guys to think about, but there's also 2021 to think about. What is this season going to be? And do you just give up on a season when you have a team that has played so well and is continuing to play well now almost halfway through the season? I understand making the difficult decision and telling people, look, trust us. Uh, I know this team looks good right now, but two months from now they're going to fall apart, and we have to get ready for next year and the year after that and the year after that. But it, I, I, I'm with you on that. I just don't know that there's any realistic way you can actually pull the trigger on something like that if they are anywhere close to the top of the division. Right. That's that's the thing I think has probably flipped the the script, so to speak, or kind of changed the the changed the course of things is I don't know that the front office expected that this team was going to play this well. I don't know that they, you know, Jed Hoyer and any of them thought that this is where they were going to be on June 11th. Um, and so now they're, I, th- I think there's a lot of reconsidering going on. You know, we don't have a ton of time before the trade deadline, but there's some. And so I think there, you know, yeah, there's some wait and see with this, but you also have to say like, we've, we've clearly got a team that can win some ball games and beat good teams. You know, they're not beating up on, you know, the pirates and, and teams like that. They're beating San Diego. Um, they're beating St. Louis. They're beating the Dodgers, the Mets, like they're beating good teams. And so at some point you have to ask yourself, um, are they one of the, the good teams in the national league as well? 
Realistically speaking, I know you mentioned that getting a starter to help, um, you know, down the stretch and and in a playoff run if they're to get there. How realistic is it though that that they can acquire somebody to help them? What 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 sort of assets do you think they have that they could deal to make something like that happen? <laughs> well, I, I've joked that you know maybe you go to San Diego and just say, hey, can we? Get you Darvish back? Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's right. just, we'll give you the same guys back and we'll just, you know, take backsies on this one. Um, but yeah, no, they, what they're going to have to do in this market is you're not going to be getting a frontline starter necessarily because you don't have the assets in the minor leagues. Cause that's, that's the way these trades work halfway through the season is you're trading with a team that's looking to build for its future. And, you know, the Cubs have done a lot of, cutting deep into their farm system in the past few years to, to put together winning seasons or to make that push deeper into the playoffs. And it's worked. Um, but, you know, they're, the position that their farm system is in right now, they're not going to be able to add a, a top of the line starter, but that's okay. I think anything that adds some depth, um, some experience, and that just lengthens that rotation, even just a little bit is really going to make a big difference. Who concerns you the most as far as division opponents? Is it the Cardinals or is it the Brewers? I I think it's the Brewers um, because, like we're seeing now, I mean they've they've just gotten you know red hot, and you know we've seen in years past what a Milwaukee team that gets hot at the right time what they're capable of doing, um, and that's you know granted it's June, but we're seeing that now from them so. And they've made some smart additions, both in the off season and then, you know, they, you know, they made that trade back in May. So they're they're smart about some of these moves that they make, and it, it's paying off. So um, I've got my eyes on Milwaukee right now because uh, that's the team to, to to watch out for in this division. Yeah, and right now they lead two one over the Pirates in the fourth inning, and the Cubs are a half game up. I did that with Milwaukee. I I know I've done it a few times in the last couple of years where I just totally wrote them off. And next thing you know, they're there at the end of the season and you have to worry about them. Um, but, but I, I do think this division is it's the thing about it is it's just totally winnable. There's, there's nobody in here. Like if you had to pick a team, that's the team you worry about the most, but I just don't have a ton of concern about the division. There are no, there are no White Sox in this division, you know, like this is, it's a completely right. different animal. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of what I expected going into the season. Um, I figured we'd get sort of a three team race. Uh, but yeah, now that as we're 70 some games into the season, it's really holding true and, and really standing out just how much like none of these three teams are, you know, they're not, they're not super teams by any means, but they're also, they're not bad. Um, but they're, they're going to be, it's going to be a tight race there. I, I figure whoever wins this division is going to be within a game or two of the other two teams that fall behind them. So um, it's, there's going to be a lot of jockeying back and forth in these standings, probably right up until the end. Jared Willis covers the Cubs for the Chicago sun times with us on six seventy. Um, we, we did find out earlier today, Anthony Rizzo in an interview with, with Kaplan and hood said that he has not been vaccinated. I know that Jed Hoyer has, has expressed frustration about that because of the threshold they are not at. 
it, are, are the Cubs in a situation where we, we heard Javier Baez with, with his comments saying that they have talked about it. Um, are, are the Cubs, generally speaking, are they easing up on the frustration or, or do they have they just kind of resigned to it? How do they feel right now that they haven't reached that threshold and they're one of eight teams who has not? I think the impression that I got today in talking to Jed Hoyer and Javi Baez was a little bit of resignation. They're, they're kind of in a place of we, we've done what we can to try to convince these guys. We don't think that we're going to at this point. And so in order for the sake of being able to continue to like play together, we've got to move on. I, I don't think they're, they're necessarily happy about it, but um, they also know that like, if we're say, if I'm Javi and I'm, I'm bugging Anthony Rizzo in the, in the clubhouse all the time about, his vaccine, then at some point that starts to create a rift in the clubhouse if he's not careful. So um, they've got to walk that line of, yeah, here's this bigger picture, really important thing of people getting vaccinated. And then on the other side of that coin is kind of, we, we've got a, we're a baseball team. We're trying to win games and, and be competitive. And if we're fighting with each other, it's not going to happen. So um, that's where I kind of think that they're at is just, Hey, we're, we're making our best efforts here. We're not going to change these guys' minds at this point, and we have to be able to move on. Do you think that's a, a, a like, like, I don't know if it's a huge danger that it ends up costing them, but the thing for me that would be concerning is late in the season, you know, a, a dude who isn't vaccinated has to get tested, and in his test he's positive, or he's, you know, close to somebody who tested positive, and therefore he can't play until that gets sorted out. Um do, do you have any serious concern about that, or are you just kind of resigned to it, too? Well, no, I, I think that's that's something that I would be very worried about if I was on that team or a part of that team is, is exactly that situation. Because you're, as a player choosing not to get vaccinated, you are taking that risk that um, I'm going to get sidelined in, in some, for some reason or another, um, and potentially, depending on when it happens, that could be a, a hugely detrimental thing to have happen, especially with a, a key guy like Anthony Rizzo. And, and, and it could just be something as simple as, you know, close contact for as careful as, as we all try to be, as I assume that these players try to be, um, you can't control that a hundred percent of the time. And, and if you, you are in proximity with somebody turns out, somebody who turns out to test positive, um, that's, yeah, you're, you're putting your whole team at jeopardy. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's pretty serious. So it surprises me that there is such reluctance among some of the players. Um, and and it, you kind of have to just cross your fingers that it doesn't come down to that at some point in the season. Jared, I appreciate your time here on a Friday night, a, a very nice night in Chicago, and you're spending it talking to me. You should have said, no, I want to go enjoy <laughs> this. The, the first night of everything being open, leave me alone. Thank you for not doing that. Well, my pleasure. I love talking baseball anytime. That's Jared Willis of the Chicago Sun-Times. He covers the Cubs. He is excellent at that. And I suggest you follow Jared on Twitter. Um, And you can get all of that Cubs coverage at jwillis, at J-W-Y-L-L-Y-S. Later on in the show, before we wrap things up, at 8.40, we will talk to Joe Cowley about the state of the Bulls. They are in their offseason as the playoffs are ongoing. 
and uh, been a lot of underwhelming games in the playoffs. There have been some good ones, but a lot of these games have not been especially close or exciting, um, and maybe that changes as the playoffs go on. But we'll talk about the Bulls. We'll talk about the Kobe White surgery and everything else that's coming up before we wrap things up here on the show. But we continue to talk to you next. 312-644-6767. I'm Chris Ranji, your host until 9 on The Score. A couple of segments ago, I told you there was a thing I was going to uh, complain about that I was going to tell you that I didn't like, and then I forgot to tell you because we got on to other things. Here's a thing I don't like, and and uh, Major League Baseball finds a way to do these, just these little things, you know, that are irritating. They don't need to do, but they do it. Here's one of them. Uh, why are there Fridays at any point of the season where there are scheduled off days for a Major League Baseball team? Why? Tonight, the Yankees and the Phillies are both off. They don't play on a Friday. And that is not the first time it's happened. It happened last year, and last year it made some sense because, well, you know, it was just a weird season. Right. Weird season with the pandemic. Um, That complication doesn't exist this year as far as scheduling baseball. What are are we doing taking Friday? If you have a team in your town, your team should play, barring rain delay or snow or earthquake, your team should play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every week, every week. Without exception, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's it. Baseball is a summer sport, and summer weekends are the best. And your team should play every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Why do we have games? I don't care what the reason is. I'm asking rhetorically. There should never be a time that your team is off, scheduled off, on a Friday. Like, okay, the White Sox had an off day on Friday back in April when Kansas City had their opening day on Thursday. Their, I believe it was their home opener. Or no, it was the White Sox home opener. Yeah, excuse me, White Sox home opener. They had the following day off. Uh, no, I'm sorry, but no. Like, I, I get it. I get the day off after the, uh, after the opening day in case there's a rain out and then you have the ability to make it up, but no. That's, that's not when you make that up. But it's happening again, and uh, I just I don't get it. It's it's the weirdest wrinkle that baseball has thrown in, and I don't think you can give me an explanation that's good enough. Rain, yes. Snow, yes. Catastrophe, catastrophe of some kind, yes. Okay, I can go along with those. <laughs> Anything else, probably not. But I don't know. Maybe I can be convinced. I'm not that hard-headed. You might think that I am, but I am not. Uh, my my college friends uh, used to call me, oh, oh yeah, old open mind Ronj. You know Chris Ronj? Yeah, open mind Ronj. I know that guy. He's great. You can tell him anything and he'll listen. Uh, yeah, that's a thing. Here's another thing Major League Baseball is doing that's just it. <laughs> the, 
okay, they can be on the right track with something, but still, to me, find a way to kind of foul it up. We have been talking about this since the beginning of the season, and it is now starting to become more of a mainstream topic in the sport, and that is the substance, substances that pitchers are using to get added grip and therefore added spin on the baseball, and it's making the ball jump in just these ridiculous, absurd ways. What Cardinals manager Mike Schilt a couple of weeks ago in a game against the White Sox called it wiffle ball stuff. You remember that? That whole situation with Joe West, and I joked at the time that maybe Joe West coming out to check on that pitcher, uh, it was Giovanni Gallegos, who uh, today gave up the lead, uh, the Cubs in their comeback win at Wrigley Field, had a substance on his hat, and Joe West came out, told him to change the hat. Schilt flew off the handle. He got ejected and went on a rant after the game. And, And I joked that what if Joe West, who loves to insert himself into ball games, what if it's so that that moment is the catalyst for a change in baseball when it comes to the sticky stuff? Because the game is trying to, the league is trying to fix the issue of way too many strikeouts, not nearly enough balls in play, trying to improve the action on the field. And they are right to do all of these things. They're not always right in the uh, ways they take to get there. But here are Major League Baseball's ideas about curbing that stuff. And essentially, there are going to be fines, and they're going to do it in the middle of the season, and they're going to have umpires check pitchers regularly throughout the course of games. And if you have any substance on you, any of this spider tack or any of this uh, boiled-down Coca-Cola that is sticky and you can use it to get on your fingertips and you can spin the baseball even, even better and get those RPMs up, you know, the rotations per minute or whatever it is. And, uh, and, and in that way, have these crazy breaking balls happen. If you can get that stuff out of the game, maybe you're going to get more offense. Baseball is right to address it. Where baseball is wrong to address it is doing it in the middle of the season when it's going to change everything for certain teams, certain pitchers. It's going to be hard to evaluate what's going on, what's true and what's not, and how division races are going to be affected. This just isn't the time to do it. It should be done. It should probably not be done right now. Uh, Dr. Meredith Wills was on the Bernstein and Rahimi show earlier today on The Score, and this is in response to something very interesting that Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets earlier this week said. And he was talking about this very stuff and the extra grip, and he said he didn't really have a problem with the grip. But he's more concerned with the baseball and how the baseball is constructed. And here are his exact words. Quote, I think the biggest concern is Major League Baseball manipulates the baseball year in and year out depending on free agency class or guys being in an advanced part of their arbitration. So I do think that's the big issue. The ball being different every single year. In other sports, the ball is the same. Basketball, football, tennis, golf, the ball is the same. End quote. So this is what Alonzo is saying. 
He's saying that Major League Baseball, which now has a stake in Rawlings, the the company that makes the balls, that they are deadening the balls in free agency years for offensive talent. So, like, if there's a crop of offensive players like this year with the Cubs, you've got Bryant and Rizzo and Baez, bunch of hitters are going to be up for free agency in the offseason, that MLB is intentionally deadening the baseballs so their numbers aren't as good, so therefore they don't get paid as much in the offseason. That's what Pete Alonzo is pretty much saying here, which is, like, okay. I mean, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you would look at that and go, yep, absolutely, that's totally what's happening. If you're not a conspiracy theorist, you'd go, come on. I mean, that's just ridiculous. But if you're in the middle, you're kind of like me, and you're probably like, no, but maybe? Maybe they're doing that? Maybe they're deadening the baseball when hitters are going to be free agents. Can you imagine if that's what they're actually doing? And I got a couple of cuts from Dr. Meredith Wills, who was on with uh, Bernstein and Rahimi. I'm going to get to one of them. Uh, Mike, back in the studio, there's the shorter one about MLB in 2020 experimenting with two different baseballs. There were literally two different baseballs being used in games in 2020. This keeps not coming up. They used two different baseballs for that 60-game season. And the baseballs that were this new kind that, you know, are wound differently on the inside are what MLB told us is now the 2021 ball. But despite them telling us, oh, no, those weren't supposed to show up in 2020 games, I found them in 2020 games. I'm sorry. They were there. You know, maybe Pete Alonzo is a crazy person in his bathrobe and he hasn't showered for six days and he's at his desk, which just has stacks and stacks of newspapers on it. Um, Or maybe he's right. Maybe he's insane or maybe he's right. Maybe Major League Baseball is messing with the ball so that guys don't get paid. Like, I mean, if you think about it, it sounds insane. But then you also think about how much teams don't really want to pay anybody. And then you think, well, maybe, maybe they are doing that. And, and Dr. Wills, by the way, is an expert. (laughs) He didn't know there was such a thing, Uh, but there is an expert in the construction of baseballs and she's it. She, she has actually physically taken apart baseballs and examined them. And she did it last year. And she's a very good follow on Twitter, um, uh, Meredith Wills. And you will learn more about the balls and how they're different. And I don't know if that's the biggest problem. I still think the uh, the the sticky stuff, the spider tack stuff, is kind of a big problem, especially when you have guys in opposing dugouts who are saying things like, "Yeah, when he throws the pitch, it sounds when the ball leaves his hand, it sounds like a bandaid being ripped off." Like you know the sound of ripping off a bandaid really fast. It's like a that sound like fingers are stuck to baseballs that much that it sounds like a Band-Aid coming off. Okay, that's a problem. And I, I, if you want to get offense back, they probably have to do something about that. By the way, Meredith Wills is on Twitter at BBL underscore astrophysics. Go find her, and she covers all of that stuff. Joe Cowley covers the Bulls, and uh, there's some news about one of the players on the team. 
an important member of the team, and we will talk about that with him next. I'm Chris Ranji here on The Score. Our goals for the season are to make the playoffs. A lot of it was film sessions. A lot of it was shooting. It wasn't necessarily a lot of, um, I mean, these guys got on the court, don't get me wrong, but probably not at the level they normally would during a normal NBA season. So uh, Patrick's a really good worker. Kobe's a great worker. But, you know, there's also a point, too, with the number of minutes they're absorbing, you're taking that into consideration as you're working with a player. And sometimes, you know, that can maybe get in the way of the development. I, I do think that that's got to continue to be a high priority for us because we have some really, really good young players. Billy Donovan's Bulls are not in the playoffs right now, which are in the second round as we speak. Some good games happening, and uh, maybe not nearly enough of them, at least so far. I've had quite a few blowouts uh, in the playoffs so far. I'm Chris Ranji on the score in our final segment as we talk some basketball. We talk some Bulls. We talk some NBA with Joe Cowley of the Chicago Sun-Times, who visits with us now. Joseph, how are you? Stranger. What's I've up, been man? Go on and on and on and do your long introduction, but you got right to it. I'm glad. Thank you. Yeah. What 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 am I going to say about you? Here's I Joe. Know. I thought you were going to tell some bad stories about me. I don't have to. Everybody knows. <laughs> bad guy. Just Everybody. Bad. bad. <laughs> you know what? Better. Here Here's the the amazing thing about you. You are the best worst guy I've ever met. That's actually uh. That's thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The general public may not think so, and I don't, I don't really know what people think of you, but you are, you're just, a, you're a really solid dude. Like, you really, you really, truly are. I think you're great. I love you, buddy. I love you too, buddy. All right. Good night. Thank you. Let's wrap <laughs> right. it up right there. <laughs> All right. Joe, uh, how have you liked the playoffs so far without the Bulls? Um, I have enjoyed it to a certain extent. I would have liked to see a couple of, uh, teams and people that I have covered and enjoy go a little further, but uh, you know that that's life. That's kind of life this year. It's been a uh, bizarre. Not only this season, but I think there was a carryover from last year. I thought um, the two teams that went the furthest in the bubble look exhausted and look like they had problems um, in and out of the season with consistency, and that kind of showed itself in the playoffs. I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I hear the mixed feelings of the bubble that it wasn't a true championship and then you talk to some people and say it was probably the toughest championship to win um i'm in that latter argument i thought that was i don't think people understood the isolation um and they're like oh boo-hoo you make millions you could be isolated for two months i mean that, that that that's tough when they weren't letting you know family they weren't letting anybody in that bubble and, and to have to be there and just be with your teammates and um I thought that was one of the tougher championships to win, and it looked like it took its toll on a couple teams. So, um, but yeah, for the most part, there's been some very entertaining moments. I totally agree with you on that. NHL playoffs, people said the same thing. You know, that's a the, uh, they got a month or two or whatever it was off, and then they got back to I forgot how long it was. Now it's been so long. It, feels it was like. a couple. It was actually a couple months off. Which it was a t- to, yeah, me, two, to me, makes it harder for the older guys. I agree. Like and stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I especially mean, if you're a team that's in rhythm. I mean, you're you're feeling good, and then okay, you right. got to stop playing for two months. It, it's almost like an entire off season. And and when you when you are off 
for several months in an off season, it everything that happens the following year feels alien. Yep, yep. And plus, you know, there was no, you know, it wasn't like they knew that the bubble was going to happen. So it wasn't like guys were in the gym every day preparing for the bubble. They had no idea that, you know, once that thing shut down, they probably were just like, well, I guess we'll just kind of stay in shape, but we don't, right. you know, who knows what's going to happen. So, yeah, I, I have a problem with people seeing this in Astros next to championships that happen the bubble year or, or this or that. I, I think it was just tough for an athlete, especially the older athletes, um, as any season in recent memory. But whatever, that's just my opinion. What do I know? Well, <laughs> I think you know a lot. But who's your uh, who, who's your favorite as far as winning the whole thing? I mean, everybody seems to think the West is kind of open. I think Phoenix is really difficult. Um, and then, of course, uh, in the East, it's all about the Nets. It, do you do you have a favorite in both conferences? I mean, unfortunately, I, I think the team win healthy, and obviously, we still have to see what exactly is the plan with Harden. But, yeah, I mean, when the Nets, when, when that Death Star is fully operational, it is exactly that. It destroys planets. I mean, you just, you just can't match that star power. And they play enough defense, especially Durant, who seems to flip the defensive switch in the playoffs every year he's in it. Um, people forget what kind of defender he could be and how long he is and, and, and that kind of stuff um, that he kind of saves for the postseason. Yeah, when that thing's fully operational, forget it. And, and it's it, it, it's, it's probably the collection of the most weird. It's the weirdest collection of of athletes because they're just weird from top to bottom. When James Harden is the most normal of the three, the big three, <laughs> that really tells you something about that that collection of of, of manhood. So, um, you know, one wants to be an artist. One you can't tweet something or he gets his feelings hurt. And yeah, Harden's the most normal of the three. So, um, yeah, I, I think it, it's. They're still fully healthy. I, I can't see anybody touching them in the seven-game series. It's just too many weapons, too difficult to stop. They could beat you in too many ways. Shoulder surgery for Kobe White uh, here during the offseason should be good to go within a month. Uh, do, you, do you foresee any any sort of complications with that, or do you think the timeline will be fine? Well, you know, I, I mean... <laughs> It's it's a it's a set, it's a major setback if you ask me because they had big plans for him this summer, and that meant starting right away. So for him to have a setback and then have to go to rehab and have some unknown with the labrum and and um, you know I don't think it changes their plan that they were going to shop for a point guard in some capacity whether you know the basketball gods smile upon them on June twenty second and they hit um, lottery luck with. with um, the one through four, and are in position to grab one of those two point cards, either Kate Cunningham or Jalen Suggs. Um, that's a complete game changer then. Um, or if it's done through free agency where they, you know, kick the tires on a Mike Conley and, and offer up a bid for Alonzo Ball. I just don't think fiscally and financially they can grab those two guys. I've got a, a, a breakdown of the guards coming out in tomorrow sometimes where I kind of talk about all that, and I offer up the wild card is going to be Spencer Dinwiddie. That could be a guy that financially, um, he has the player option at $12.3 million. Um, does he feel comfortable losing his starting job? And he's playing really well before, you know, the, the big the big trades and, and getting hardened and all that stuff. And um, does he feel good about walking away from $12.3 million to get something long-term, more secure, and and be offered a starting point guard spot 
Um, you know, that's kind of the unknown. And I think that financially would fit more in where the Bulls currently sit. So I think they were shopping and going to look for a point guard anyway. But for Kobe White, the individual, and what they had hoped for him, you know, kind of grooming him to be that kind of lethal six-man that comes off and gives either 28 minutes if he's if he's hitting or 12 minutes, and you can kind of control it depending on how he's playing. Um, you know, I think that's kind of a major setback. He's going into year three is usually the big jump year for some of these guys too. So, yeah, it, w- it was not a good injury in the time. You know, it was awful as well. Joe Cowley covers the Bulls for the Chicago Sun-Times, and that's what most people agree on is that the Bulls are in need of a true point guard. Beyond that, though, you'll have a second season or one full season of Vucevic on your team, another season of Zach. Um, You've got Patrick Williams in his second season, and and they think very highly of him. Otherwise, if if they do get the guard situation figured out, is is there enough there this team can ultimately make a real playoff run? Yeah, I mean, I think they can make a playoff run. I mean, there's teams I think they could jump your Charlottes I think your Indiana's I think there's teams they can jump especially if they're going to keep the play-in scenario which it sounds like that's the way the momentum is going um you know because now instead of you got those two extra spots which which are meaningful for a team like the Bulls because they're in that that area code they're in that 10 through 7 um talent wise um there's some teams I just don't think they can jump your Atlanta's um, you know, even though all the unknowns with New York, the fact that the payroll is going to be so large and that guy coaching them is just an evil genius. Um, and, 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 and then New York team's going to play hard every game where I don't think Zach and Booch have that kind of intestinal fortitude where they give you their best effort every night. I just don't think they have that makeup. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, your Boston, I think, are still ahead of the Bulls. So, the, you know, and then obviously the big three with Philly, Brooklyn, and and Milwaukee, I think, are, are clearly ahead of the Bulls. So they have to be better than your Charlottes and, and, and teams like that. So, yeah, I, I think they are in that argument or in that area code to at least uh, be in that playing, uh, get that, that dance invite. Um, but, uh, again, when this whole thing happened, I know it was the old regime, but this was blown up for a change of mediocrity. And right now this team is built to return back to mediocrity. Um, it's not a contending team. Um, but the one thing I will say that Bulls fans can be excited about, it wasn't the trade deadline who they brought in. It was the message that was sent that this is not your John Paxson, Garform, and Bulls anymore. This is not your just play it safe at the trade deadline or just play it safe with the way we do things. No, we are going to try winning every year was the message sent loud and clear. Um, and if we can get an all-star at the trade deadline like we did, we're going to do so. So, you know, I, I think that was bigger than the actual move. It was the message that was sent. So um, I'm anxious to see what happens with this current group, but also how the rest of the league now views the Bulls because of the message that's being sent out of that new front office. Uh, I don't mind asking stupid questions of you because I, no I don't. stupid questions. Well, I mean, there are. There there are lots of stupid questions. Yeah, I know. Here, here. Here is one, Joe, that's potential. Is there a planet or a universe in which it's realistic Damian Lillard ends up with the Bulls? Um, no. Ah, damn it. Okay. It's not a stupid question. You, but it's, no, I, I, I just think, first of all, I think his, he can say what he wants, and there is a, 
there is something to be said about player power in the NBA more so than any other sport as far as the stance guys can take and, and how they can play hardball. We saw in Chicago, um, where we, we saw with the former Chicago Bull and Jimmy Butler with the Minnesota thing. LeBron's very uh, conscious of, 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 of player power. And so there are, you know, James Harden, what he did to get out of Houston. So there's some things that Lillard can do. Um, but I, I, I feel like we're not done trying to build around him or bring in pieces around him before they go ahead and say, okay, we're going to just have to move you. He's up from, from the guys that know him. You know, I don't know him personally, obviously, but from the guys that, that do know him, he's a pretty solid guy. He's a pretty loyal guy. Um, obviously, he was not happy with the way he went out again this year, um, and they and they do seem to kind of look like a one-trick pony year after year. But I, I, I just don't, I don't know how that could work. Now, are you talking, okay, you're going to get Zach Levine to max his contract this year, and then you're able to move Zach Levine in a package because financially you don't have to be, you have to have Zach make a more money than he's making now. Um, so it would have to be something a year from now after he signs it because you can't trade him, you know, first year of the deal. So it would be, it, it would just seem almost impossible. Well, I tried. I know you tried. And I tried. There's, and there's, there's nothing wrong with trying. You, now you could go on NBA 2K and you can make that trade. No, they would reject the deal. I was they just hoping that maybe, it, yeah. yeah. I I, yeah, I, no, I don't know. I, I, that would be yeah. He's he's he's, uh, he's brilliant to watch. I don't, I don't yeah. think, and it's a, it's a shame he's in Portland where a lot of people don't get to see his brilliance. So um, I'd well, love to see Dame Time in Chicago. Trust me. Well, thanks thanks for being a dream crusher. I I appreciate it. Yeah, All right, anytime. Hey. Do me a favor, enjoy your Friday night. I, I know that nobody ever tells you they want you to have a good night, but I am telling you because I want you to have a good night. Ronji, you have a good night, too. Uh, I'm very proud of everything you're doing, and um, <laughs> we should talk more often. You know, you can call me when you're not on the air and say, hey, I, know. I, just want, I just want to reach out and say dibs. I know, dibs. 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 Everyone's like, <laughs> they, what the hell are these two idiots talking I'll, about? I'll, I'll explain it when you're gone. I'll explain okay. it to people when you're gone. Joe, All right. thanks, buddy. All right, Roger. You take care anytime, my man. <laughs> That's Joe Cowley of the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, Joe, I took him out one night or uh, you know, invited him out, and I was out with my friends, and I have one friend that before he got married, when we were at the bar, really charming dude. He, he's, he's one of my favorite people. That's why we're friends. And uh, any girl that would walk in the bar or walk by him, he would say, Dibs, Dibs. He called Dibs on every girl in the bar. And so as if to say, uh, you can't talk to her, I'm calling Dibs. He wasn't being serious. He just, you know, it was funny. And so Joe came out on one of uh, my friend's prolific Dibs nights where he was just calling Dibs on everybody that walked by and Joe thought that was hysterical. So every now and then, Joe asks me how Dibs is doing. And Dibs is doing doing just fine. He is, he's is he got two kids now, and everything is great. By the way, everything was great for the White Sox in the ninth inning. They're leading by two. Liam Hendricks comes in to close the game, and it starts pouring in Detroit. So the tarp is on the field. Nobody out in the ninth inning. Nobody on. They didn't even start the inning. Or I think they may have just started it. 
Anyway, Sox are trying to get a win, but they might have to wait a while because <laughs> bottom of the ninth, uh, four to two, they're leading and they're trying to uh, stay four and a half games up in the division. Cleveland is up by seven or they're leading seven to nothing over the Mariners. So they will, if they close this out, be four and a half games up still. The Cubs are a half game up in the National League Central and they are awaiting the end of the Brewers game. Sixth inning, Milwaukee leads 2-1, to one, so they could be tied if that score holds. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for calling in, texting in, everything else. Had a good time with you. Thank you to Mike Rankin, who produced the show today, and our guests, Joe, uh, also Jared Willis, and Mark Potash. Uh, we had a good time. I hope you had a good time, and, and I will talk to you at some point in the future. I love you. I miss you. And you smell great. Our lives aren't like they used to be. They're busier. Early morning Zooms, grabbing coffee to make that in-office meeting, getting to your kid's soccer game on time. Life is different, and so is advertising. To reach any audience, you need your message out there in all media, broadcast to streaming, on screens, and right to the ears of your customers. And that's what we do at Odyssey. Let's build a media campaign that targets the customers you know and want to reach more of. Right here in our community. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.